Praise God. God's good. I just pray. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for your people. Thank you for your brothers. Thank you for our, my brothers and sisters out here, O Master. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us and in all of us, O Master, and who's out here to teach us and guide us into all truths. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, Lord, we open our hearts and you open our ears, O Master, to receive from you the unadulterated word of God, O Master. Teach us, instruct us, and guide us into the ways of righteousness for your name's sake, yes. so that we might prosper in everything that we will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, I think uh, there are a lot of things brewing in my heart about this message, but it's going to be a continuation of a lot of the messages that we have said in the past. But so we don't, you're not, you're not going to cover all of that. But we'll try to cover as much as we can. Amen. Uh, the title of the message is "Stop Deserving." Stop deserving. Okay. So I'll just leave it out there, and then we'll get into the word. Okay. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. We'll go a little deeper in the word as usual. Uh, we have a little time. Uh, it's not going to be a typical church service of half an hour short. <laughs> we'll get into a little bit of a word. We'll get uh, understand the scriptures a little bit. We'll go into Old Testament, New Testament. But I want you to stay with me and just be patient, right? Uh, even if you get bored, just sustain. Just wait because you might, God will speak through some things. You know, I, I distinctly feel that God is going to change some mindsets out here in our understanding. Uh, now, this is the picture that I got, right? The Lord was telling me, many of us are like bottles uh, with, a, with a wooden cork on the top. We are, we are, we are uh, floating in a sea of abundance of the grace of God, but not willing to receive it. Right? And God is saying, is, get the cork off, it's easy, and you will sink in this grace. Right? So, stop fighting my grace. So, it's like a bottle with a cork floating in a sea of grace. Just, just stop deserving. Stop deserving my grace. Stop deserving. I know it sounds a little, uh, you know, counterintuitive how to stop deserving something, but we'll get there. We'll, let's, let's look at this and you'll understand some real deep truths as a walk of a believer. Amen? That's good. Okay, Exodus chapter 19. Now this is... Uh, God speaking to Israel, just after Jesus, uh, God brought Israel all the way out from Egypt, now they are at the base of the mountain Sinai. And look at this truth. Now this is a watermark point in the life of Israel. If Israel gets this right, they get into the promised land, life is good, kingdom of heaven is here. If they get this wrong, we know what happened, right? But this is a watermark point. So they went through all. They, God brought them out of, Israel, out of Egypt with a strong arm. I want you to remember that word that God uses. A strong arm. Very interesting. No words in the Bible are, are a filler. There's a reason why God uses certain words. Somewhere he'll use a hand. Somewhere he'll use a strong arm. You know? Somewhere he will say a rock. Somewhere he will say a flinty stone. Somebody will say, you know, so nothing is an accident. Everything in the Bible is weighed. It's weighed. You know, you know there's, a, there's a reason why he uses a certain word, you know. So, 
So this is a watermark point. So at the base of the mountain, now God is speaking directly to Israel. And look at what his words are. And Moses went up to God, and God called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Now these are the words. Now listen to this verse. Very powerful words, right? Now this is before God gives the Ten Commandments. So this is not the law. He's talking about how he brought them out of Egypt. Very important words. I want you to focus on it. And, and God said, this, thus, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. This, this is what you should go down and tell the children of Israel what I'm telling you. That this is what my words to them are. You have seen how I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Look at the word. Not brought you to Mount Sinai. I brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then... A couple of things will happen to you. Number one, you will be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine. He's trying to say this, the whole earth is mine. Guess what? I'm going to just make you special because I can just decide, right? The Bible says the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. Why does he say that? He's not trying to boast about himself. He's saying that because they are mine, I can give it to you. See, when God says I am rich, he's rich for you. When God says, I'm strong, he's saying, I'm strong for you. When God says he has made a mockery of all the principalities and the powers, he's saying it's made to be a subject to you, subject to the church. You know something? That's why in Revelation, I mean, this is very powerful. This, this is about a couple of months when God was telling me through Revelation. Remember you have read that Jesus talking to the seven churches, right? In every place he will say, watch out, I am the one with... The eyes that can see blazing. You know, if I am the, my words and my feet are like shining. And I was like, oh, hold it, hold it. Lord, are you trying to intimidate these churches? You know, <laughs> he said, no, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm saying is in that particular area, they need that from me. That means in that area, you need my strong feet. In that area, they need my words. In that area. So when God says he is strong in some area, he's strong for you, you know, so don't kind of look at it as that God is trying to show off, you know, and I am this weak, uh, you know, out here trying to, that's, that is not what God is saying, I, you know, see, daddy is strong, you know, when you, when, when, you, when you tell your kids, daddy is strong, why? He's not competing with the child, he's saying, I'm strong, I can take you up, got the concept? I'm strong, I can take you up. No, 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 you'll drop me. No, I'm strong, I cannot drop you. See, you see the difference? When I'm saying I'm strong, I'm strong for you. Hallelujah. So when, when God says, I am El Shaddai, it's not like, oh, you know what? I am El Shaddai. You know, that's not, that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is I am El Shaddai for you. You know, I am the big daddy in the house. You know, a big daddy for you. Hallelujah. I mean, that is good. I mean, so when you look at the scriptures, you enjoy this great God of yours. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. So he says, you have seen how I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Who brought them to him? Uh, him? God brought them to himself. Listen, very important words. Okay, let's look at it. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my treasure, then you will be special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. That means I am going to 
I'm going to exceedingly favor you with all the wealth of the earth. I'm just going to exceedingly favor you because you're going to be a special treasure to me. Number one. Number two. You shall be a kingdom of priests. Wow. Not just one Aaron. Not just one high priest. I mean the whole lot of y'all will be priests to me. Y'all will be a kingdom of priests. That means y'all will be kings and priests. Wow. That is like great. I mean the anointing in the old covenant was a kingship anointing. Very restricted. A priestly anointing. Very restricted. The rest of the people had to receive from them. God says, how about I give you a deal? I'll make you all kings and I'll make you all priests. That means you can walk. What is, what is the biggest advantage of priests? You can walk into the presence of God unhindered. And kings, you can rule over and be in favor in all, over all that I own. Hallelujah. Look at that. Kings and priests. Look at the third one. You'll be a holy nation. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. Look at the deal. The deal is great. If you keep, if you obey, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Okay. Let me ask you this. Which covenant is he talking about here? Because the Ten Commandments is still not given. It is in the next uh, chapter. The covenant is not even being established. So he's not talking about the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments covenant. So he's talking about which covenant here? If you keep my covenant. Abraham. He's saying, I, I'm, going to, I'm talking about, if you keep my Abraham, Abrahamic covenant, you will be a special people. You will be a kingdom of priests. You will be a holy nation. And you will be... Yeah, you'll be treasured, you will be my people, you'll be a holy nation. Okay. And now let's go back to this. So we're talking about coming. Let's go to First Peter chapter 1, verse 25. So let's go quickly there. First Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 25. First Peter chapter 1, verse 25. Peter chapter 1 verse 25 not that sorry first Peter, first Peter chapter 2 let's get let's go to first Peter chapter 2 verses uh, 9 onwards but you are a chosen generation look at the words a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous night, who was once not a people, but you are now a people of God, who have once not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now Peter is telling that this belongs to whom? The church. Look at that. It is a new covenant blessing, right? After Jesus came and they became believers, he's saying, you will become a holy nation. You will become a special people. You're going to be a kingdom, uh, a kingdom of priests. All the same words. Do you see the same words out here? That God was telling Israel at the, at the uh, uh, bottom of the uh, Mount Sinai. He says, if you keep my covenant. So he says, 
Not the covenant of ten commandments. He's not even given ten commandments. He's telling that if you keep my covenant, which covenant? The covenant of Abraham. What was that covenant? That covenant was a one-sided covenant. He says, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will favor you. I will exalt you. And forever. It's an everlasting covenant. And, he, and what did Abraham say? Abraham said, okay, I believe it. <laughs> so did Abraham keep the covenant? Yes. He kept the covenant by just believing it. He, he just he said, okay, Lord, I believe it. And then, you know, the, the, when did Abraham say that I believe it? Was the time when he did not even have a child. In fact, it was the days where God, Abraham was almost old and he was, he said, he said to God, he said, the only inheritance, I, uh, the heir in my household is Ebenezer of Damascus. Right? He's going to inherit all my wealth. And God says, don't worry. I am your great and exceeding reward. When God said that, he said, but uh, I don't have any heir. The only one is he. He's going to have all things. He said, no. I'm going, he said, come out. Come, let me show you the stars. He showed him all the stars. That's, that's the context. After he showed him the stars, God, the Bible says, Abraham believed God. And God accounted that to him to righteousness. And he said, you're righteous. So Abraham kept the covenant. And God is now remembering that covenant. He's, now he's telling the people at the bottom of Mount Sinai, okay, the same thing. Will you keep my covenant? Will you obey my voice? You'll be a special people. Now look at the response of these people. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 19. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together. Look at this response. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. What was Abraham's response to God's covenant? I believe. I believe that who will do? God will do. I believe, Lord, that you will do it. Look at the response here. They say, we all that God you have spoken, means what? What has God spoken? How I have borne you out from Israel, from Egypt, on eagles' wings. I have brought you through this. And these guys were murmuring all the time through Egypt, right? Through all the plagues, all the water. But God was not condemning them, right? But he kept bringing them. And he said, you know what? Do you believe that I can take you all the way, right? Do you believe that I can make you a kingdom of priests? Do you believe that I can do that? And the, and the people thought about it, right? They had time to think. These are, this is three months. It's actually three months. Look at the verse, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month, after the children of Israel has gone out of the land of Egypt. This is after they received water from the rock. This was after manna has already fallen. And they are eating manna. Now every day they are eating manna, right? This is after they have eaten meat. That quails keep falling in the evening, right? This is after they, when the cloud of, the pillar of cloud is still in the daytime. At night it's a pillar of fire for light, right? I mean, it is, a, it is during the time when they are Shoes don't wear out. Their garments don't wear out, right? It is in a season of undeserved, unmerited favor, they respond to God after three months. Now God has given enough time for them to experience the undeserved grace and favor of God. Amen? They've seen everything, right? They murmured, they were not killed. Nobody died, right? They were, they were, they were, they were angry, nobody died, right? Because they are in the favor of God during this time. And after three months, God gives them a deal. 
We are like this. He never, he never calls them out on how bad they are. He never calls them out on how evil they are. He never calls them out how uh, crazy they are. They were crazy. I mean, guys are crazy, right? I mean, these guys are crazy. I mean, many times they said, why did you bring us out? <laughs> they asked Moses. Where, look, at the, look at their dialogue. I mean, guys were sarcastic then, they are sarcastic now, right? <laughs> Aren't there enough graves in Egypt that you bring us out to die in the wilderness? <laughs> I mean, I mean they, they know how to speak, right? I mean, it, they know the stuff. So three months, God gives them, enjoy this. Enjoy manna, right? Enjoy manna. Enjoy, eat all your food. And he says, what's the deal? So do we, have, do we have a deal or no deal? Deal, no deal. The people say, no deal. Why? We will do it. We will do it. All that the Lord has said, we will do it. Now, now God, God takes this seriously, right? So look at that. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. There was nothing in this new, in the old covenant. In fact, we say the old covenant and the new covenant. Really, the new covenant was really the original covenant. Remember, he's, he's talking about the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is the covenant that Jesus came to die to give it to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. It is the same covenant. In the middle, there was an intermediate new a covenant that came, and I will tell you why it came at the, at the end of this, right? But here he's asking, do, we, do you want to still believe that covenant? And they said that, no, all that the Lord has done, we will do. Okay, we will do. Okay, that's fine. Let's look at the response. So Moses brought back the words of the people. You see, God in our new relationship and as a believer is only seeking for words out of your mouth. I know that's hard, right? It's going to contra-intuitive. Contra the, the world always says, words are not enough. You have to do what you say, right? Just don't speak. I am I I, 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 part of an uh, alumni group, a uh, school group, and we have all our friends. Some of the guys have you know, interesting phrases under their name. One of the guys says, don't just pray, do something. <laughs> you know, that's how the world thinks, right? Don't just pray, just do something. My God says, ask, 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 just stop doing something. I know what the spirit is, right? Don't just don't pray. But I'm saying is, all God is asking is, give me the word. You know, what words is he looking for? So he sends Moses down, give them this deal, come back with what they say. So God is not waiting on the mountain, right? And Moses comes back with the words. What are the words? The words are not the words of Abraham. What did Abraham say? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you can do it. But the words that came up on the mountain was what? Yes, Lord. It doesn't even say yes. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Seriously? How can you even do anything? You can't even get... <laughs> you can't even keep manna that is collected today. You can't even keep it from stinking till tomorrow morning. <laughs> Forget about getting manna. You can't even preserve the manna. <laughs> we can't even do the bare, bare essentials that God wants us to do. How can you say that we can do anything? You can't do So God said, so Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Guess what? Look at the Lord's response. The Lord is so merciful. Right? He says, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud. 
that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. God was not just willing to just stay. He said, man, I don't think these guys get it. I don't think they believe what I just told you. I'm going to come in a thick cloud and speak with a thundering voice so that they will know that I am the one who is giving this deal to you. Guess the response again. So the, Moses told the Lord, words of the people to the Lord. That didn't change. The same words. Immediately, the response of God changes. For the first time, first time in his dealing with Israel, his response changes. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell the people, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds for the people. Suddenly you see the words changed. Bounds for the people. Start separating from me. Sanctify yourself. Suddenly, can you see separation happening? Now, it is no longer my people. See, the deal was, if you keep my covenant, you will be my people. Suddenly, it is, tell the people. In fact, he tells Moses, don't even come close. Then he says, no Lord, I have already uh, demarcated all the mountain. Then he said, no, 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 go down, they are trying to come in. Man, now God is zealous about how holy he is. Because the people are thinking that they deserve it. You see? Because they don't see that it is they are getting here because of my grace. They are getting here because of they deserve it. Now they are trying to say, now God is saying, I need to give them a law to show them that they cannot keep anything. They need to know how deceitful their heart is and God gives them the law. For the first time. Let me prove it to you. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter this. I know you know many of this, but you know, sometimes it's good to emphasize that, right? There's a tendency as a believer to depend on the arm of the flesh. There's a depend. There's that, there's that innate, I've, I've heard it, I've heard it from believers, I've heard it from my own mouth. I deserve better. Whenever you hear that, watch out. Watch out. Don't, uh, no, 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 I work for it, I need to get it. Hold it. You work for nothing, brother. Nothing. You, do, you, you are, it's a deal, right? Deal, no deal. Do you want to walk in the covenant of Abraham or do you want to walk in the covenant of the flesh? And that is the constant refrain in the Bible from page to page to page to page to revelation. It's all about walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. And we always thought walk in the flesh is talking about fulfilling our desires of our flesh. Beep. Wrong answer. Walk in the flesh is your self-efforts and justification. Can you repeat after me? Walk in the flesh is your self-efforts and justification. So anytime you read in the Bible, flesh, 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 don't think about porn. <laughs> don't think about food. You know, that is not flesh. The Bible never talks about that as flesh. He said, that is the works of the flesh. When he says don't walk in the flesh, he's saying is don't walk in your innate natural tendencies to depend at your own efforts and self-justification. It's a big long sentence, but there's no other way to get it. <laughs> that is it. I mean, don't keep leaning on that. It's a, oh, the Bible is full of it. Every prophet is full of it. And we'll go at it, right? Let's look at it. Let's go to Deut Deuteronomy chapter. Uh, five. 
I never read this before. I never read this before. Today I read it for the first time. Look at this. I don't know how many of you have read this. This is exciting. When I read this, I was like, oh, Lord, you put this there? Okay. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now this is after uh, they are about to get into the promised land. Now before that, he's again reminding them what all happened. Then Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak to you in your hearing today, that you may be learned from them and be careful to obey them, careful to observe them, right? Now he's not talking about the old covenant. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. You have to know. You always want to do stuff, right? You all like to do, right? All that the Lord has spoken, I will, we will do. Okay, here we have a full package. Ten Commandments. Start with ten, I'll give you some more, right? <laughs> when you get over ten, I'll give you the eleven, twelve, cleaning, I'll start you. No? So the, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons when the rich young man ruler came to Jesus, the first thing he says, what must I do? When are you, whenever you throw at Jesus, do, he gives you the law. He says, you know, you know what you need to do. You know, boy, you know what to do. Keep the ten, you know, all the law. He's, and <laughs> this guy is even more... He's even more at a different level. He's like at a level that you can't even imagine. He's like, all that I have kept it from my young youth. Seriously. <laughs> Either the guy is, doesn't know. I mean, see how the heart is so deceitful. That is why Jesus came with Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the hail of, the hail of storm that wipes away the refuge of men. I know it's a prophetic statement. It's from Ezekiel chapter 2. 27 or something, where he says, I will wipe away the hail of refuge that you all guys are thinking that you all have. You all are thinking that you all are right. Let me send the hail of uh, hail, the hail of truth. And Jesus came with that. He said, You all think that sleeping with a woman is adultery? Let me tell you what adultery is. You look at a woman with lust in your heart, you commit adultery. Wow, the hail just landed. Right? I mean, here you are thinking all these years I've never committed adultery, and Jesus shows up on the scene. All your standards that you think you are comfortable with, your act, your self efforts at justification, all that tent that you built just got wiped out in that storm. That is why Matthew chapter 5 ends with, He who builds his house on a rock will stand and the floods will never <coughs> destroy them because he says that rock is Christ. On any other sand you build your life, your flesh, that hail, which hail, which storm? What storm is he talking about? The storm of the righteousness of Jesus in the flesh. You cannot match it. That is the law. And he fulfilled it perfectly. Anything else is a refuge that is going to be destroyed. Amen? So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak to you in the hearing, and you may be learned to them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Look at verse 3. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers. Lord did not. So he's saying the, the covenant that God made with Abraham was not this covenant. The Lord did not make this covenant with, my, with our fathers but with those who are here today, all of us who are alive. Hallelujah. So look at this. You see the distinction? This covenant that came on Mount Sinai is not the covenant that God was talking to them at the base of the mountain. He says, if you keep my covenant. He says, this new covenant, I did not make with the fathers. 
Why did God have a need to bring in the law? To show how deceitful they were. That they would not believe that they cannot make it on their own. Amen. And look at the verse Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he concludes with the whole thing. Verse uh, 25. Uh, verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord for our good always that he may preserve us alive as he stood. Then it will be righteousness for us if you are careful to observe all the commandments before the Lord as he has commanded us. So what is righteousness for Israel? If you follow the laws carefully, absolutely, without any mistake, it will be righteousness for you. Right? What was righteousness for Abraham? If you believe him. So you have a deal. Two deals. You have a deal of the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant. Or you have the deal of the Ten Commandments. So he says which deal is it? If you are going to keep all the right laws. It will be righteousness to you. It will be righteousness to you. It will be righteousness to you. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's go to. I want you to go to uh, Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. And I'll quick, uh, go quick. Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Now this is when God introduces the, uh, God telling Moses to go to, uh, telling Moses before he sends him to the Pharaoh. To Pharaoh. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I, now you shall see that I, what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand, he will... Let them go and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. Then God spoke to Moses and said to the Lord. This is the famous I am the Lord passage. Let me tell you this. This I am the Lord passage is operating still in the Abrahamic covenant. Look at, look at this. It says I. Lord spoke to Moses and said to him I am the Lord. When Jesus appeared many times he told the Pharisees I am. So he's coming as this revelation of God. I am revelation of God. I am the Lord. And I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, God, the Lord, I am not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the pilgrimage in which they were strangers. I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Remember this word covenant coming again and again? Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great judgments. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage and he closes this whole thing by saying I am the Lord wow, what, a, what a passage I want you to say out of the whole thing just remember two things he kept saying I am the Lord right and also count the number of times he's saying I I I I give me one 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 sentence in this where he requires something from them nothing all he's expecting them is to believe that God can do it. That God can do it. He's saying, I am, I am. And guess what? He's saying, I will give you this inheritance as what? Sorry, I will give you, I will give you 
and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am not going to give it to you as a wages. It's very important why God said that I will give it to you as a heritage. That means I'm going to give it to you as a as an That means nothing what you do. See, when, when, when you get something, when you inherit something, that's the only place where your performance is not dependent. Right? How do you inherit something? You know? Nobody dies. I mean, okay, nowadays, you know, they can put the wheels there. I'm not talking about this modern-day wheels, right? I mean, you, in a, you give it to your dog and you give it to your cat. I mean, I'm talking about not American wheels, right? I mean, I'm talking about these regular old-fashioned, like, I mean, you don't have any, you don't write any wealth, right? Who inherits stuff? When you die, who inherits? Your children. I mean, then by default, it goes to your children. Now, it doesn't matter. The judge doesn't look whether the child was behaving well. Did he pass the spelling bee competition? I mean, who cares, right? I mean... Whether you fed the cat, you did not feed the cat, you slapped the mother, slapped... Who cares? You just inherit all things, right? So this is what God... God is very clear. He wants... He's telling Israel, look at it. I'm going to give the land of Canaan, but I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance. Don't try to... No? Don't try to... Don't try to own it. Don't try to deserve it. Don't try to work for it. Don't put your hand for it. Inherit it. Inherit it! Just breathe. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to breathe in a believer's life. You know? Lord, I just inherit all things. Oh, the world, uh, prosperity that you have given me. Too much, Lord. Too much. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we just need to learn to receive, get the wooden, get the cork of the bottle and sink in this sea of grace. Don't fight this grace. Just sink, man. Sink. Get rid of that. You have a small cork that stops this whole big bottle from receiving nothing that is around it. We have a small little bitty cork that we have made, you know. It's like, God, God is saying, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let the cork go. I mean, just get rid of this business of trying to be proud. It is my cork and I will have it now. <laughs> It's a new covenant. It's a time to inherit all things. And God says, I will give it to you as an heritage. Huh? Deal? God is saying, deal? Is that a good deal? I mean, God is looking around. Deal. <laughs> so God is waiting for the word. I mean, who can wait to steal, right? He's at the top of the mountain. He's waiting for the word. I mean, who can? What are they going to say? Yes, Lord. Do it. He's like shocked. I mean, God is not shocked about anything. But the Bible does say. <laughs> you know, there are, some, there are some things in the word Bible says that you, even you don't believe. Even the Bible says in one place in the Bible, I don't know the verse, right? The, the evil that man has thought, it has not even come to my mind. <laughs> the word in the Bible. The evil that man is doing, it has not even come to my mind. I mean, man is so creative in its evil that even God cannot think about it. You know, there are some things that even God, I have to give it to you. That is like real evil. <laughs> You know, I cannot think about it, you know? Why? Because he, he just can't think. He cannot. That's why when Jesus was in Nazareth, he said, Are you, oh, hold it, hold it. This unbelief is like too much, you know? <laughs> he marveled at this unbelief, right? I mean, it's like, oh, this is like too much. How can you even be so unbelieving? You know, I am here. I am the fulfillment of everything that you are looking for. I am the I am, right? I've come to give you all things. Relax. Who has a back pain? Come on, number one. Number two, leprosy. Come on, just stand in line. He's like, carpenter. I see carpenter. <laughs> no, 
bit like too much, right? Unbelief it surprises God. So when the words came up, it's like, what? You will do it? Okay. Clock starts now, you know? <laughs> commandment number one, commandment number two. And we have never got out of that. Right? Not we, I'm saying is the world has not gone out of that. Your efforts at self-justification is the only thing that prevents you from walking in the fullness of the heritage that God has already given. That's it. Your efforts. It's already given. It's already given. All of Bible can be compressed. I mean, not really. In one, in one sense. In one sense. He took my place so that I can receive his place. That's it. That's all it is. He took my place so that I can receive his place. That's it. All of the Bible is about that. And it's a constant effort of God to tell you, let me take that place. Why are you sitting and fighting over it? Let me come and take that. You just receive all things, right? Okay. Let's go this. Uh, uh, this. This was so important to God. This was so important to God. I want you to look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This, this will blow your socks off. I know nobody wears socks today. I think uh, David has socks, okay? Let's watch his socks, right? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. You'll love this. I, I know you've read this verse, but you know, just sometimes you just read it all over again. Just kind of, man, revise you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. So it shall be. Now God is reminding again. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you have sown to your fathers. Remember the covenant? I'll give it to you as a heritage. But this time they say, we will, you, God say, changes the covenant, right? He gives them a new covenant. He says, the same heritage that I promised Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. But because you did not take my first deal, you have to obey all the rules to get, enter in. You not only have to obey all the rules to enter in, you have to obey all the rules to Stay in. You need to obey all the rules to get in. You have to obey all the rules to stay in. Right? Deal? Now that's the deal. Because you didn't want the first covenant. Okay. So God reminds them. This is the heritage that they're going to give. He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities. Large. Which you did not. You did not. You did not build. God has kind of heard it. Let me remind you. Because you all guys seem to forget a lot of things, right? <laughs> I bring you an eagle's wings all the way. And then you kind of don't even remember, right? I mean, let me remind you. <laughs> they, let, they go into the land of Canaan and they're like, we will this. <laughs> you know, man's heart is so deceitful. You give him one generation, he'll be like, but in India now there is this big... <laughs> in India we have this new government that has come and there is this... They're very proud of the Hinduism and all that. So now they're like, you know, we have invented all things. <laughs> our, our old nations have invented atomic weapons. We have invented antibiotics. Now they're like, they're revising history, right? I mean, man, man is so deceitful. I mean, we can go back and change everything. You know, I mean, it's like, no, 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 there is not a Palestinian. There is no temple in Jerusalem. There's just no temple, right? I mean, there's no, we have always been there right from Adam, you know? Man can change history. So God's saying, well, hold it. Let me remind you. These cities, because they are large and beautiful, they are not built by you. Amen? Not built by you. Repeat after me, it's not built by you. <laughs> so that, God says, reminds him. Okay. Then verse 11. Houses 
full of good things. It's not like one of those empty houses without any stuff in it, right? I mean, it's not like a house, beautiful house, nothing inside. Sometimes you, sometimes you buy a big house, you spend all your mortgage just buying it. Now you take another mortgage just to fill it. Right? You know, there's two mortgage deals that you have to go through. <laughs> you finished you finish spending, taking mortgage just to buy the house, now you're taking loans to build the house. You know? That's called dumb, right? <laughs> How many of you have been in the dumb category? I mean, don't raise your hands. <laughs> you know, two mortgage, not, not a good deal. Right? He says, but I'm going to just not just give you large houses, I'm going to give you houses that are full, right? Full, full of good things. Which, which, what? You did not fail! You did not fail! <laughs> I just love the God says of humor. You did not fail! Repeat after me. I did not fail. Right? Look at, look at the first thing. You not wells. You did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees. You did not plant. When you are eaten and are full. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scott's reminding vineyards you have not planted, wells you have not dug, houses that you did not build, houses that are filled in that you did not fill. I'm going to give it to you. That is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Breathe. Lord, I receive. You know, just, just say, I receive, Lord. I receive everything. That's why George was singing, right? He was given his only begotten son. Won't he along with that? Really? You know, one of the new commandments, which is not in the Bible, which should be possibly there, is thou shalt not sweat it. The sweat is a curse. And you don't sweat. You don't sweat in this new covenant. Right? right? Just believe that I can give it, right? I'm, I'm going to decide. Okay, if this is not convincing enough, let's keep going. Okay, let's look at this. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 9. Okay, look at verse 10. This is powerful. I love this. Look at the way it is. And this is the great American lifestyle. Look at this lifestyle. And which a lot of people are proud of, but I don't think it's kind of what the Lord desires. Okay, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt. Not from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. You know the land of Egypt, now this is, this is history, this is real. The land of Egypt is flat and there is this big wide river that is somewhere in the middle. So they have to irrigate the rest of the land. So what they do is they, they used to dig uh, canals to lead the water into all this land around. And how to get the water upstream and, and put, put, go into this land? They used to have these pad, paddles. You've seen these paddles? That you, the, now you have motor that uh, runs the paddles and it pumps water up, splashes water up into the channels. You've seen in some of the countries, you still have it. In those days, there's not, you know, who is Edison is not around still, right? It's no electric motor. So guess what? Israelites, you know, bring four horsepower. Four, four, uh, 16 of them get them stand on the line and start pedaling, right? So they have to pedal this stuff day in, day out and pump water into their gardens. So the water to the gardens 
were controlled, water out from the gardens is controlled. Everything in that vegetable garden is because of what? Because of your efforts. He said, this is not like the land. God is saying, change your mindset about this inheritance that I'm giving you. You know, when we were when we when we were when we were not born again, we were used to a lifestyle of works produce results, right? He says, don't bring that mindset into this new covenant, in this inheritance. It is not like that. Where, look at that. Where you have sown your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is the land of hills and valleys which drink water from the rain of heaven. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Spirit, right? As a believer, we are supposed to dwell in the fullness of what the Spirit brings to us in every area of our life. Making us fruitful. Drinks of the water from the rain of heaven. Oh, land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord our God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you honestly obey. Go, because it's a new deal. Because you wanted that. I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the later rain. And you may gather in your wine and your new wine. And your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock. And you may eat and be Phil, he says, is your life right now like a vegetable garden? Unless you work it, it doesn't happen. You know, unless you work it, right? I mean, everything I have to just work it. If I don't do it, there's no water. It's not Canaan land. Canaan land is land of hills and valleys. Where water flows from heaven, right? So guess what? It's the walk of the spirit versus the walk of the flesh. In the walk of the spirit, you receive, you receive from God. You operate, you are at the right place at the right time. Your works of your hand are all blessed. You just happen to be at the, talk to the right person. You just happen, you, you avoid a lot of crazy labor. I mean, because now you're not depending at your acts of self-justification, you're depending on God. You're inheriting all these. Hallelujah. You see, are you, you know, many times you say, Lord, why is my life like a vegetable garden? Remember vegetable garden, you know? Everything, I mean, in a vegetable garden, everything has to be protected, right? You need a shade, you need the support, you need the hedge, everything. You cannot mess up. But who feeds the trees in the forest? How do the fruits grow? Where? Because it's gone. Your life in the spirit is a life of Cain. That God, the Bible says in Hebrews, right? You know that. It says, even Israelites did not enter the land of rest, but you have in Christ Jesus. And we, we have gone into past sessions about it. This land of Canaan is our inheritance. When are we going to get to Canaan? When are we going to get to Canaan? When are we going to get to Canaan? When are we get, going to get to Canaan? We already are. We already are. Ah, guys have learned. <laughs> that was a trick question, right? When are you going to get to Canaan? Not here and by. You are, right? In Christ Jesus. You are again. What the God says, I have borne you at eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And we are already in him. Hallelujah. In him, it's complete. You are in Canaan land. This is the Canaan that Israelites, you know, Israeli natural is back in its land. The church is in Canaan. Everything that happens to Israel in the natural is what Christ has already gone ahead and given it to church. 
in the in the spiritual hallelujah you'll say no no but in the natural it's different no it's no different it's no different and you have a lot of stuff to do but we don't know how much we don't have too much time but let's go quickly to one place close to two passages but uh, I have four so I have to cut down two so you pick you know uh, we have Habakkuk it's a powerful chapter are you ready to have you read Habakkuk how many of you have read Habakkuk you like Habakkuk okay let me just go a quick few verses just run through to understand this concept okay let's go to Habakkuk Habakkuk now where is Habakkuk Is on page eight twenty three in my Bible. <laughs> if it helps you, okay. Habakkuk is a beautiful chapter, right? It's a uh, okay. Habakkuk is a beautiful chapter. Sustain with me. I'll just run through Habakkuk. You'll get this picture. Like this is a prof. The Habakkuk is a question and answer between the prophet and God. This is now. This is Israel going through. Now this Israel is finished. They are in the wilderness, they have come out, now there are many kingdoms, finally, you know, this is way past the kingdom of Israel, right? They are still in this new covenant because they just didn't want the old covenant. It's a tough thing, but the covenant, the Ten Commandments, right? Now look at the burden, let's see how it starts. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Whoa! After so many years, the prophet is saying, man, this whole business, this deal is the burden. Why? Look at the words. I don't know whether you ever saw this, but this is so exciting. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. Who wanted this deal? How long shall I cry you will not hear? Because now God is dealing with them on what? Yeah. On their works, right? You perform, you get, the, you get it. How long will I cry and you will not hear? So don't pray those prayers, right? As a believer, don't pray. Lord, how long, Lord, should I pray? Seriously, that is not your prayer. In the new covenant, that's not your prayer at all. Your prayer is Abba Father. Hallelujah. Right? That's your prayer. You don't pray, Lord, for how many days shall I? Don't even start that. That is your old covenant. Right? We start. Okay. How long, how, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save? Will you not show me iniquity? Why do you show me iniquity? That means every time God is showing, the Lord is showing how evil they are. And cause you, me to see trouble for plundering and violence are before me. The strife and contention arises. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. What does the four, verse 4 says? The law is powerless. Wow. <laughs> this is an Old Testament prophet saying the law is powerless. God says, at last, everybody stand up in heaven, you know. <laughs> I got a witness. The law is powerless. From the words of an Israelite. The justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore power's judgment proceeds. And, and I will not go to the rest of the world. Now this is what the prophet is saying. And finally. Chapter 2. It's a continuation. I will stand my watch. This is prophet Habakkuk saying. I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart. And watch you see. What he will say to me. What I will answer when I am corrected. You know, Habakkuk is 
so smart. Let's put it that way. He knows. He's saying, Lord, the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. All I'm seeing is my sin. And, and he, go, he has this literary of complaints against what the law cannot do. And finally he says, I'm going to stand and hear what my Lord is going to say. Because I know one thing. Guess what? I am wrong. Look at that what he says. I, I'm waiting to see what the Lord says when I'm corrected. I like that, right? I know there's something I'm missing it, right? I'm something missing it. Lord, tell me what it is. Look at the response of God. The Lord answered me and said, write, write the vision. Make it plain. And we use this in all kinds of contexts. Write the vision, write it plain. Please, that is not the context. God is saying a time is coming when you want that new covenant where it's not about your works. It's about my son Jesus Christ. His obedience is what matters. He fulfills the, your part of the obedience that I demanded from the law. Hallelujah. Write that vision. It is coming. It's coming. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But in the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries. That means though the coming of Jesus is tarrying. For then Jesus has not yet come. He's, he is still under the law. He says it will tarry. Wait for it. Don't lose hope. It will tarry. Behold the proud. And then God suddenly looks at the proud. When Jesus has come. There is this whole bunch of people who are very proud. What are they saying? They, and God is saying they, those, their soul is not upright in him. Why? Because now they are proud. Even when I send Jesus, they are depending on their, their own flesh. And God is saying, behold the proud. And then he says, look, and then look at the famous verse that we all know. But, but, but the church, he's talking about the church. But the just shall live by his faith. So, obviously, there's a link between those proud and the just. Correct? We all know that the just shall live by faith in its context of believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, does the proud in the heart also refer to the same vision? Yes. That means who looks at Jesus Christ as being the fulfillment of all your law, all your demands, all that your obedience that God demanded out of the law from you. And God says, look at the proud. They don't want to receive it. But the just shall live by his faith. Hallelujah. Let's look at the next verse. Quickly. And I'm, I, you, can read, uh, you can read the rest of it. Then he asks he ask again another question. And then finally Habakkuk gets it. Habakkuk gets it. He says a day is coming. This vision is coming. Jesus is coming. Correct? Jesus is coming. Uh, when the just shall live by faith. It's not about his works. The just is coming. Remember he starts by saying the law is powerless. Hallelujah. And then Habakkuk now has a second question. Uh, he has a prayer. Chapter 3. Oh Lord, I heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. What work? What work? Midst of the years, revive your work. The work, Jesus said, I have done one work and you have not believed me. Jesus' work of salvation. Hallelujah. And when did that happen? In the midst of the years. Can you imagine how God divided that work. And divided history. AD and BC. He divided that time. And he put God Jesus Christ's work. Right in the center. And Habakkuk says. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make it known. In wrath. Habakkuk says remember mercy. For the first time. For the first time Habakkuk is saying. You know I'm not going to come to you with my efforts. Lord just remember mercy. Right? Look at the difference, right? And then finally he closes. 
in verse 17 and we have used this verse so out of context though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit though the flock may cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet i will rejoice in the lord and joy in my god many times we say that hey, if everything going bad in my life i will still rejoice in the lord i mean that's a you can kind of use that verse but that's not what habakkuk is saying here he said this under law we are all destroyed there is no fruit on the trees the cattle is not there nothing we are all desolate but lord i will rejoice in the god of my salvation in hebrew it means i will rejoice in yeshua because he is coming and guess what he will do look at the verse the lord is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet he will make me walk on my high hills whose high hills that means every one of you sitting out here has a hill that god has given him like Caleb had a hill that god has given you god says he can do it you can do it now in christ jesus you will ride on those high hills that means in that area of business domain that god has blessed you with god is going to make you ride on it like he bore your eagle's wings and brought you to myself hallelujah he says now so don't use that verse in saying that when everything is going down i will rejoice in the lord okay in faith yes but remember we are expectant heart because now in christ jesus that is behind us habakkuk is looking towards it hallelujah because god told habakkuk even though the vision tarries wait for it so when habakkuk is looking around and there's no cattle in the stalls where there's no fig trees are barren he say lord i'm going to wait for it as christians don't use that verse i'm going to wait for it what will you say lord i thank you for it i am walking in it i'm riding the high hills of jacob hallelujah i am not in a vegetable garden where my efforts will bring water to my garden i am on the in the land of canaan of hills and valleys which drinks of the rain of heaven hallelujah i mean are you getting your faith up hallelujah to be able to receive not because of an earned bread but as a heritage of the goodness of god right habakkuk is so powerful you see the book of habakkuk have you ever read the book of malachi the chapter that we use about tithes and offerings you know that the book of tithes and offerings is really not about tithes and offerings it's about this gospel of jesus christ have you ever thought do you want to go that or do you have time malachi the famous chapter you get it you get it you want a little time little time no rush to go anywhere let's go to malachi chapter 4 i mean it's so exciting i i always want to uh, uh, expand on this chapter but i never had a time in previous times hopefully it will be become a uh, we'll take a one full session on it but it's so exciting i want you to leave i don't want you to go without hearing look at this chapter of malachi he starts malachi chapter 3 and he's talking about this coming of jesus christ you know it's all, it's all about jesus coming from chapter 1 to the end it's all about your efforts at self justification versus what jesus god has done by himself in fact there is one 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 exercise that god has told me to do i have not yet done it yet he says find out everything in the bible when the clause appears himself and study it he himself he himself he himself study it you will understand god's gospel in christ jesus study it i mean this is good when i am going to start doing it just find in himself in all the scripture and see jesus 
into all the Bible. Okay, let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare my way before you. He's talking about John the Baptist. And the Lord, now he's talking about Jesus, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. Guess what? He came to his temple in Jerusalem. He came to his temple, the church. Hallelujah. Even the messenger of the covenant, for the first time, introduces the covenant. The same covenant. Because now they don't want the new, old covenant. He wants his new covenant. Jesus is our messenger of this new covenant. Right? In whom you delight. Yes, we delight, O oh Lord, because we are tired of walking in our flesh. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. Again, God is promising Israelite. He's coming. He's coming. This is the last book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, before Jesus appears, right? God says, behold, he's coming. Behold, he's coming. He's telling Jesus is coming. My son is coming as a messenger of the new covenant. Okay, read this. But who can endure the day of his coming? And we, we think about it as the second coming, right? It is, in a sense, but more. It is a fulfillment of Jesus' first coming. How? Who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire, like a launder's soap. <sighs> Who can endure his coming? When Jesus stood in Israel in the temple, they could not accuse him of sin. Everybody who had sinned would dazzle. I mean, they could not stand him. He, his contrast was so dark. His light was so bright. So everybody's shades were so dark when Jesus appeared on the scene. That's why Matthew chapter 5, when you read it, don't condemn yourself. It's not about you. It's about God trying to establish the standard, the launderer, and saying, a refiner fire, kind of show how, who can stand. Nobody could stand. Remember every time Jesus stood, they would just kind of walk away because nobody could accuse him of sin. Jesus has appeared, right? Because he is the fulfillment of everything God wanted in the law. But he says, who can stand his coming? And guess what? What he says? He, and he, this is a, this is a good promise and we, we talk about it like a person, we use this words by, by, verse for persecution. This is not about persecution. This is about the new birth in Christ Jesus, the born again experience. What will he do to us? He will sit as a refiner, as a purifier of silver. He will purge the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver and may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Hallelujah! Jesus will come and cleanse them completely from their sin and wipe it out and offer to God as an offering that God always wanted. An offering of what? Righteousness. The righteousness that comes not by the law, but the righteousness that comes by faith. Hallelujah. So God is looking in Malachi chapter 3 for an offering. What's this word? Offering. An offering of what? Offering of what? You and I are the offering of righteousness that God desired out of the earth. And God got it in Christ Jesus. We got, we got our righteousness how? As a Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, So God wanted this offering from Israel, the offering of righteousness. Hallelujah. Right? God is, and Jesus is giving, able to give it, right? Because he, he sheds his blood, he pays for all their punishment, and makes them completely holy, which God promised. You will be a holy nation, right? I will make you a holy nation, not what you will become holy. And a lot of times we say, in church we need to be holy, holy. Seriously? You're already holy. Christ has put away our sins. Put away is a put away once for, once act, never to be repeated again. Put away. Hallelujah. Every time. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter, I don't know, 53, 
54 or somewhere there where it says, Dear righteousness is for me, uh, um, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in condemnation, thou shalt condemn, thou shalt condemn, you shall condemn. Their righteousness is for me. Oh, that is so powerful. I mean, I, even this week, you know, my boss, you know, somebody said something, uh, my salesperson said something, my boss was really angry, you know, something, you know, the squeaky wheel always get the oil, right? So something, the bosses hear something, they come to you, you know, because if you don't complain, nobody has any problem. But somebody complains that they want to fix that, right? So he comes to me and says, oh, you need to do this, you know. So just like accusation, kind of, you know, accusation. And I felt like kind of hurt, you know. And God was saying, why condemned? Why do you feel condemned? Right? What does my promise say? Every weapon, every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, you shall condemn. Why? Because your righteousness is for me. Because you are standing on favored ground right now with me. I have sprinkled the, you know, God, Jesus, when he took the blood after his resurrection, he went. That's why he told Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. Because he said, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, you shall not touch the flesh that is going to the that is going to be offered to the Lord. It's powerful. It's in Deuteronomy. He says, do not touch the flesh. Only a holy one can touch the flesh in that. So when Mary Magdalene was about to touch her, she said, don't touch me because you are not holy yet. I have to go up into heaven, offer my sacrifice, the blood on, on the ark. I've also put it in the before the holy place. The Bible says the uh, holy uh, high priest sprinkles the blood and makes that place holy for you to step in. You are holy and the place is holy. Correct? And God says, I'm going to make you righteous. So he says, anytime you get condemned, rightly so, you messed up. You made a mistake and you get the blame. Guess what? Don't feel condemned. Why? Because your righteousness is from God as a gift, not as an own thing. It's not a vegetable garden, remember? If you work hard, then you're good. If you don't work, you're bad. That's vegetable garden mentality. Get rid of vegetable garden mentality as a believer. Hills and valleys. Hills and valleys. Don't be condemned. Guess what? It empowers. And God said, I will make all things well. Guess what? In one day, He changed. Now, I didn't change. Yes, I changed. My mind changed. Correct? I started saying, Lord, I'm not going to take any condemnation. My righteousness is from you. I'm going to walk in bold. Right? That's a believer. You don't feel condemned. Okay, why did we stop there? The purging and been offered to the Lord are offering in righteousness. Then, the offering. Look at the word offering. So what is God looking for? An offering of righteousness. That is a righteous uh, offering that God is pleased with. Offering that is fully righteous. That's what God is looking for. Then the, off then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old. Let me ask you a question. What days of old is he talking about? Days of Abraham. I like the days of Abraham, God says. When their righteousness is from? From the Lord. I like that offering. I love that offering. You know what? When Abraham lied, God did he rebuke him? No. When Abraham took Hagar, did God rebuke him? No. God even blessed Hagar's children. I mean, we are hearing about that every day. How blessed they are. They are really blessed. And God is going to draw them into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Aren't they blessed? I mean, they multiply. God has promised them. God even blessed Abraham's mistakes. Why? God, that, because they are, his righteousness is from him. That's
That's why God says, walk before me and be blameless. And we always misunderstood as saying, Abraham is being blameless. No. God has declared blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. Just, I don't even see your sins. Does it empower you to sin? No. It empowers you to serve God more. It empowers you to be, have a good friendship. Suppose you have a friend who always condemns you. Can you be a friend? Do you hang around with friends who condemn you? I mean, we'll run far away from those guys. You know, that's, that, you look at your friends. The friends that you hang around closest are the guys who don't condemn you. Correct? Right? They might correct you, but they don't condemn you. Right? You may be wrong, you may be dumb, you may be stupid, but they still hug you. Correct? You know, that's how the... Guess what? What did that make Abraham to God? A friend. You see what, what righteousness did to Abraham? He could talk to Abraham. It's like, you know, guess what? I'm going to destroy Sodom. What, what say you? <laughs> Abraham said, oh, hold it. Lot, 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 lot. Alarm bells goes, lot, family, lot, family. <laughs> and he's like trying to cut it down, you know. That makes, that makes Abraham a friend. Guess what? It makes you a God of, you always wanted a friend. Always wanted an offering of righteousness. He doesn't want a servant. Not no, 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 I'll do whatever you say. Just don't come close to me. No, that's what the Ten Commandments was. Lord said, Israel told Moses, tell the Lord, don't speak to us. Speak to you. You speak to us. <laughs> it's a, it, you're, you're laughing. That's exactly what he said. And guess what? And, and, and the best part is God. <laughs> Moses goes and tells the Lord, this is what they tell me. They don't want to hear you. You talk to me, I will talk to them. <laughs> and God says to Abraham, God tells me, Abraham, Moses, I have the verse, right? I have the reference. You can go and read it. And God says, they have spoken wisely. They said correctly. They cannot take me. Exactly what God said. Because without Christ Jesus, they cannot take the voice of God, the presence of God, anything. But then how did Moses take it? Even Moses couldn't take it. God had to put him in a rock. And that rock was Christ. Hallelujah. And the moment Moses struck the rock again, first time he struck, because it was a fulfillment of Jesus Christ's prophecy that he would be struck for our sake. But the second time God told Moses, speak to the rock, he said, no, 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 I'm going to work. You know what we believers do? We have received Jesus because of God's work. Now we want to beat him again. We want to use our hands again. We love, we love our hands, right? I mean, like last time Rod brought it, this time Rod brings it too. God says, no, no, no. Now in the new covenant, listen from me. George H. W. Bush, watch my lips. Speak. <laughs> you know, that's how God is with me. Don't, don't work. Don't try to use your hands. Speak. You know, in the Garden of Eden, very Only in a couple of months back I saw this and God says, look at this. The Bible says, put an angel, put a cherub of firing sword around the tree of life, lest he put his hand out. See, now, in, out of Christ, you try to put your hand out, what are you going to need? What are you going to need? You're going to need a flaming cherub with flaming swords. You're going to get cut. Try to mess around with your hand at the tree of life. 
come through Jesus. Guess what? You are in the tree. Right? Hallelujah. You can eat what you want. I am in the tree, Lord. I am in the tree. Don't now try to come with your hand. God, see, God never means his words. He says, lest they put their hand out. And represents to Jesus. That's why Isaiah said, Who has believed the Lord? To whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? He doesn't want your arm. He wants the arm of Jesus Christ. And then he calls that arm, he grew as a tender shoot that grew out of dry ground. Because in another passage, he, God uses a parable to Ezekiel, I think, that he is a tender shoot that I will plant from Lebanon in Israel. God, every verse is double verified everywhere. He says, he's a tender shoe. He's the arm. I'm going to raise him up. I don't want your arm. Shaven or not shaven? <laughs> like, um, Joanna comes to me and is like, yeah, too much hair. I don't like it. I like mama's hand. You know? Hair or no hair, God doesn't like your hand. <laughs> it may look good, look nice, strong, big, muscle. You know what? He loves the arm of Jesus Christ. Sit in his arm, he will do great things for you. That the Bible says in uh, Old Testament, I don't have the verse, but it says, All your works, O Lord, are fulfilled in us. Yeah. Hallelujah. So powerful, right? Just exciting. Okay, we're still in Malachi, right? Okay, we're still at the tithes passage. Remember the offering of righteousness? Okay, let's keep going. Then the offering of righteousness will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former days. I'll come near you for a judgment. I'll be a swift witness against... Now he says, I'll be a witness. If you don't receive this gospel of Jesus Christ, he will judge you. Because you cannot match his judgment. For I am a Lord, I do not change. I'm not going to change my standards just because you cannot keep it. Oh, you know what? I will not sleep with the woman, but I cannot help last after a woman. Sorry, I don't change. I'm not going to change. Because if I change, you will be destroyed. Why? Because justice is not there in the earth. The foundations is rocked. Everybody will be destroyed if God is not just. If God becomes partial, like suddenly oxygen thinks, no, 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 I don't like hydrogen. Guess what? I change. I change. <laughs> oxygen wakes up one day and says, I change. Hydrogen, sorry. It's been a long life. Long, long time we hang around today, but lately, I don't like it. Guess what? No water. God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's what he's instituted. His justice is instituted. He says, therefore, you're not consumed. Yet, from the days of your father, you have gone away from your ordinance. He reminds them. You have not kept them. Return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. How to return? Okay, it's not about going back to the law. They cannot keep it. So what is he saying? How will I return? How will they return? Can anybody tell me a passage where God says, how should Israel return? Where does he say, how will I return? God says, answers that question. How will we return, Lord? Where is it? Hosea. You want to take Hosea? Hosea chapter 14. Great chapter. I don't have time to go to Hosea. <laughs> Just too much chapters. We don't have time. But Hosea, I'll tell you one chapter. Hosea chapter 14. Let's check Hosea chapter 14. Somebody can get it? Words. Yes. Look at what. Can you read that? Hosea chapter 14. O Israel! Great chapter. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of iniquity. Take what? Words. Take what? Words. What about actions? 
That's why they fell. That's why they're sitting, right? Because of the actions. But take what? How do you return? Take words with me. In the new covenant, take words with you and return to the Lord. And do what? Say to me. Say to him, take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously. Receive us in grace. We will offer the sacrifice of our... Look at that. George H. W. Bush. Read my lips. God wants your lips. He wants your lips. You say, no, I know it is very easy. You, people can say whatever they want. No. People cannot say what they want. Jesus said that. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Speak. Speak. Tell Jesus. What do you want? What do you want? You want, uh, you want this heritage that I have promised, correct? In Christ Jesus. Speak. Ask. What do you want? Ask. Ask. Receive us graciously that we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses. Nor will we say, look at that, anymore to the work of our hands. You are our gods, for in you the fatherless finds mercy. And what is God's response? I will heal your backsliding. I will love them freely. Freely? That means they didn't deserve it, but I'm going to love them freely. For my anger has been turned away from him. Oh, we don't have time. Just read it. God's response is, just come with words. Just return to me. So Malachi chapter says, For I am a Lord, return. Then God says this verse, and this is what we use in tithes and offerings. Great. He's really not talking about tithes and offerings. He's talking about returning to you, Christ, returning to God as an offering of righteousness in Christ Jesus. He says, take, return to me with words. And say what? Will a man rob God? He says, will a man rob God? He's now giving a dialogue. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Because why? How have you robbed me? I wanted an offering of righteousness, right? I paid for it. In Christ Jesus, I paid for this offering of righteousness. Guess what? I'm not getting it. I'm getting a third class goodwill store commodity. You know, you're giving me stuff out of your own works. So what is Israel trying to do is they are trying to work it out in their own self and they are coming to God and saying, receive us. God says, I don't want that offering. That's robbery. Why is it robbery? Because when you paid for something with a great price and you don't receive the benefits of it, it isn't a robbery. When God has paid with the precious blood of Jesus to receive an offering of righteousness, right? And you come to him with your righteousness. It is a robbery. Daylight robbery to God. God says I hate robbery. Don't come to me with that offering. Don't come to me with that offering. Don't rob me. Don't rob me. What he says. But you, but you will say in what way have you robbed you? See because they don't realize it. They think that they are doing well. Stay with me. I will prove the point. They, they think that they are doing good. Read this. And you will say in what way have you robbed you? He says in in tithes and offerings. In another verse it says, you have cursed with a curse. You have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storeroom. Yes? He's saying, bring all of the tithe. He's saying what? Bring what? Bring your complete offering to me. That means yourself in Christ Jesus is the tithe that I want out of Israel. Bring. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. I want that offering. And then prove me. If you end up through me in Christ Jesus, what happened? What will you do? That 
there may be food in my house. Try me in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Isn't that he promised in this new Canaan land, promise, heritage? And pour out such blessing. There is no room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. Come, bring yourself in Christ Jesus to me. Hallelujah. That's the tithe that I need. The tithe, your tithe, the offering of righteousness. And look at, so God is still with the context. Remember, context is king when God teaches Bible, right? When he's speaking in Bible, his context is king. He's talking about the offering of righteousness, correct? Look at, he goes back. He, he goes back to the, the, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the wine fail to bear fruit for you, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Now look at it. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have you spoken to you? Now they are, God saying, your words are very harsh to me. Ah. What are the words? He says, it is useless to serve the Lord. See, their real motivations are coming out. For the first time, Israel is telling, it is useless to serve the Lord. We know that, right? Because you do not serve in the fulfillment of the law. They do a half-baked effort at serving God. And they fall short. And they are always rebuked. Remember Habakkuk said? Law is powerless. And violence is all over the world. Right? So he says, It's useless to serve the Lord. What profit is it that we have kept this ordinance? Look at that. See, when you are trying to keep the law and you cannot make it, you, you become angry against God. When God doesn't give you what you want, you become more angry against Him because it's like, Lord, I've been a believer all these years. I've been fasted. I've prayed. I have, I've given tithes in the church. I've given that. See what's going on? See what's going on? It's like, I deserve it, Lord. You see that? You see that creeping coming in? It? You see that creep coming in? The Malachi tree creep, you know? It will come out. At one point, sometimes it, it, somebody, a close one of, uh, of yours dies. Suddenly it just explodes out in them. God is not fair. How many years have I prayed? How many, how much I have fasted? You see that, that it's always there. The condemnation. Who is condemned? God is not condemning you. You are getting condemned by your lack of keeping the law. And God says, don't condemn yourself. Because you are giving, you are not giving me an offering of righteousness that I can accept. You are coming in your own works and I cannot receive. I cannot rebuke the devourer. I cannot open the windows of heaven. Guess what? Everything is stuck. It's a cork out there. And you are floating in Canaan land with the cork. Get rid of that cork. Let abundance flow in your life. How abundance? By saying, Lord, I receive gladly, Lord. I do not deserve it. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am not coming to you because of what I did wrong. I am coming because, Lord, I am your child. Hallelujah. I am your full tithe, right? The whole of the tithe. I am all of the tithe. I am the offering. Hallelujah. And look at, look at how, the, how it changes. And we have walked as mourners. We have walked as mourners. He's talking about fasting. See, we have fasted a lot. We have fasted. So much we have fasted. In Matthew chapter 5, I think we have. Jesus breaks our fast. He says, you guys fast a lot, but you all want to walk around mourning. If you are going to fast, don't even appear to anybody as fasting. You know, God, Jesus, Jesus is not condemning. He's trying to say, don't come to me with any justification. Don't come to me with fasting. Don't come to me with prayers. He said, you're not hurt because of your many prayers. So it, it destroys their prayers, destroys their fasting, destroys their adultery life, destroys their... He, then at one point he goes and says, 
it's impossible to serve God and man. Then Jesus was like, oh, that's it, that's it, Lord, that's it. I mean, that was the last straw, right? Like, I, I mean, we heard that adulterers start getting, we heard that, you know, tax collectors start getting. Now you cannot, even the ones in your money cannot get it. So that is why they need escape and Satan. Who then can be saved? God says, everybody breathe that heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you get the point? Did you get the point? That's why Jesus, God, uh, Jesus responds to Peter by saying, with man, it is impossible. Means, let's not, let's not change that word. With man, it is impossible to get saved by your self-efforts. Everybody repeat after me. I'm not telling you to repeat. But that's what Jesus said. Everybody. Everybody got the point. Nobody. It's impossible. But then he qualifies it with this great new covenant. But with God? Hallelujah. With God. His arm. His effort. All these apostles. So Malachi says, Yo, we, have, we have gone around as mourners. So now we call, we, so therefore now we call the proud blessed. So guess what? You know, this is the funny part as for a believer. Many times in this life of condemnation that many believers love because they are trying to keep the law, they are trying to walk in their own righteousness, guess what? They suffer and the ones who don't know Jesus Christ, don't know the law, they, they swear, they lie, they are more prosperous than the ones who are like half, halfway on the boat, like the church in Laodicea. You are neither hot nor you are cold. So you are always pure all the time, right? You are not blessed. So what guess what? Some of your friends who are not even believers are more blessed than you. And you're like, what is going on here? I am the blessed of all. Guess what? Look at this. So we now call the proud blessed for those who are wickedness are raised up. They even test God and they go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Now he's talking about believers who walk in the spirit. Look at what they say. The Lord listened to them and heard him. A book of remembrance was written for him. And those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. Look at it. They depend on Yeshua. Hallelujah. They, they depend on Yeshua. They shall be mine, says the Lord. Look at this. On the day I will make my jewels, I will spare them. That means even though they made a mistake, I will spare them. I will spare them. As a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you will discern between the righteous and the wicked. See? Now you get it? The way you will discern between the righteous and the wicked is by the guys who trust in the name of Yeshua. Not trust in their own efforts. That's how you will distinguish. Is he walking in the unmerited favor of Jesus Christ? That's how you discern between the wicked and the righteous. Not by what they did, but who they meditated on. Do you meditate on the goodness of Jesus Christ? Is He your constant delight? Not on your work, guys. Is your, is your focus more on what I did and what I deserve? Or is your focus on the obedience of Jesus Christ? That's why Paul says that casting down every high thinking and every ex thing that exalts itself and bringing all of them to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Not the obedience, your obedience. The obedience of Jesus. That means when God says you shall obey all the commandments, every time the enemy comes and says you, you will obey. You should say, oh, obey. That thought, let me direct it to Jesus. Did Jesus obey? Did Jesus obey? Just Jesus perfect. So that high thinking is cast out. You see? 
Now nothing can condemn you because I am righteous. You see what makes him? It's powerful. Let's go read on. Behold the day is coming, he says. Behold the day is coming. And guess what? Those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That means you are going to have health all the day. And look at this powerful verse. You will grow out and grow fat like stall fed calves. No, I've heard that the church. And I don't, I don't condemn the church. But I've heard it, right? Don't just sit in the pews and just be stall fed calves. Right? Go and do something. Guess what? Be blessed to be stall fed calves. God wants you to be stall fed calves. Not my idea. God's idea. Large houses that you did not. Vineyards that you did not. Wells that you did not. Houses that you did not. Fill. Stall-fed cattle. What, what, what is great about stall-fed cattle? What distinguishes a stall-fed cattle from other cattle? No. Ah, what is the what is the difference? What's that? What's the difference between stall-fed cattle and the other cattle? Okay, they are fat. Not necessary. It depends on the guy who feeds them, right? No. What's the difference? Stall-fed cattle from regular cattle. What distinguishes them? The stall-fed cattle is in the cattle shed, and the food comes to them. The cattle that is outside has hunt for food. He's working for his food. In the new covenant, food cometh, money cometh, wealth cometh, opportunity cometh. Why? It's not about you. It's about how great God gets the glory. That's why God said to Israel, what's the deal? I brought you out of Israel with a strong arm. Do you want that or do you want to work? Vegetable God. That's what he said. You know what? God gets all the glory when God redeems Israel with a great hand, right? Because it does nothing about them, right? I mean, the miracles that happen, the Red Sea, even today when you read the Red Sea party, it just, it just excites you even when you read that passage. And in that passage, God said, lift up the hand. He's talking about Jesus' hand. Lift that hand. That hand. It's powerful. Malachi chapter 3 and 4. Did you get it? Did you get this chapter? For the first time, did you get this chapter? It's about the offering of righteousness that God desires. Not, not complaining that I deserve this. I got this. I have it. But I have to close with this passage because this distinguishes the difference. And this is going to be the key for you this year. In some, some prayer requests that have got pushed further, 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 further away. You know, some of these requests that we keep praying. And every year we are praying for the same one that keeps going further and further. Every time it comes up here, it just looks like the, the, the next year. This is the difference. Remember, you shall discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Malachi says that, that difference. Examine yourself. Are you walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh? Flesh is not. <laughs> like I said, every time you think of flesh, don't think of war, right? Don't think of food. And don't think of. Don't think like that. No, think about. Think about your efforts at self justification. Are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in, in the spirit? Passage that 
will distinguish this so beautifully. I want you to go to this. Luke chapter 7. Let's go quick and we'll close fast. I'll give me just five minutes and we'll close. Right? Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. You will love this. You will love this. You will love this. You will love this. Luke chapter 7. Okay. I'll go read this and then you'll, you'll all know the story but for the first time hopefully you will see something that you've not seen before. Luke chapter 7. And when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of people, hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, The one for whom he should do this was deserving. Was deserving. Who is telling this to Jesus? The elders of the Jews. Now we know the story, right? This is about the centurion's servant. Everybody knows the story. I'm not going to repeat it. But, so the centurion's servant is sick. So he sends Jews, elders of the Jews, to go and tell Jesus that my servant is sick. You know? And he needs to be healed. So the Jews, the elders of the Jews go and say to Jesus something which is so different from what he wanted to be said. This is what, see how the th God put, the, the scripture says the elders of the Jews. See the mindset that the elders of the Jews have? That if you have to get anything from God, you need to be deserving. So they start the typical mindset to get anything from Jesus. What? He loves our nation. So first they boast about his love for God. Love for his nation because he was a Gentile so he did not love God but he loved the Jewish nation. So, he, so a lot of people say if you love Israel you'll be blessed. Don't come to God with any of those. Come to God because you love Jesus. No, sorry, sorry. Let me correct this. Don't come to God because you love Jesus also. Go, go to God because you are in Christ Jesus. Because even your love for Jesus will fail, like Peter. Even, even when you feel you are him, even though you don't agape him, then Jesus kept asking Peter, do you agape me, do you agape me? Jesus kept, Peter kept replying in Greek, I feel you, you, I feel you, you. Did Jesus say, oh, hold it, I'm asking you agape, you're replying to me, feel you? You know, God never got angry with him. Because even when your love fails, he will not fail. So when you come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, don't boast about your love for Jesus. No. Even as spiritual as it sounds, boast about Jesus' love for you and his righteousness as a free gift. I mean, I mean, just remember this. Correct press. Correct your press. Correct. A, lot of, a lot of mindsets are going to get changed and your, your answers that you wanted, that rain, that stall-fed cattle blessing is happening. It's going to happen. If you want stall-fed blessing, Fat caps, right? Do you want it, right? Hey, it's all his work, right? I mean, if you're stall fed, his work is stall fed, right? Isn't it? When you're blessed, don't you think your work is blessed? Right? It will. Now look at what he says. He loves the nation, boasting about his love. As believers, don't boast about your love for God. Don't. I've heard preachers say that, Lord, I've loved you so much. Don't. Don't come to God with that. Don't come to God with that. Lord, how much you love me. 
But loves, God loves it. He gives, he gets the glory. Hallelujah. Look at the next one. He loves the nation. He has built us a synagogue. Built. He has done something. Number two. Then, and then Jesus went with them. And when he was not, and what he said, and he pleaded with him to come. He's telling Jesus, come to my house. Come to my house. Because you need to come to my house because my servant situation is real bad. Unless the Son of God actually comes to my house, there is no way. That means I am special for you to come to me. Jesus, the Son of God, has to travel all the way to come to your house to hear. Amen? Look at that. Look at that. Look at the options. And then when Jesus, no, Jesus went with them. No, he asked me, Anil, if that is not correct, why did Jesus go? And I asked God, I said, Lord, why did, why did he still go if that, that was not correct? Is that was not the intention of the century? God said, this is what the Lord told me. And you can check for yourself. He said, Lord, I knew what he wanted. I knew that what I was hearing is not what he wanted. But I could not act on it until I hear the words. You see? John H.W. Bush, I need words. I need words. You need words. Lips are important. Read my lips. God says, yes, I will listen. I need words. I need words to act on. I cannot, in my foreknowledge, bless you. I have, I have in my foreknowledge, separated you, but I need your words. Because I cannot force it on you. Hallelujah. In this new covenant, God wants a sacrifice of lips. It's not because you have to work hard. See, many times we Christians, we think sacrifice of lips means, oh, even though we are struggling, we need to just confess. No, 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 no. Sacrifice of lips is God's contrasting the sacrifice of the old covenant to the sacrifice in the new covenant. He says, like you used to offer sacrifices of goats, now speak to me. I will treat it like a sacrifice. Got it? Not like I have to sacrifice. Oh, it's easy. It's easy. The Bible says the word is in your heart and in your mouth, right? It's not hard. It's in your mouth. That's why the Bible says if you're dumb enough, because you're dumb enough, don't even able to ask me, therefore I've given you the gift of tongues. Just pray in tongues, right? You cannot mess that up, right? That's why. How do you mess that up? Just pray in tongues. Pray to me in tongues. I know exactly what I'm asking, so I will make you ask what I want. Oh, how can you beat that? That is why the Holy Spirit, the first thing that he gave when he accounts is the sacrifice of lips. You get that? In the new covenant, the first thing that happened before healings happened, before miracles happened, the first thing God gave was what? What did he give? He gave words. He says, give me words. I just want to listen how good my son is. I just love you. <laughs> Sometimes you see parents who sit with you and they want to show you all your album. And how child's <laughs> child's album. Hey, look at them, how he was good. No, he's not. You're like bored. <laughs> that is how Jesus God is with his son's album. God is God is so in love with Jesus. You know, he's constantly looking at scriptures like I'm just just talk to me. Just talk to me. <laughs> I want Jesus. And that's what God wants. You know, just talk to me. That's why the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came in Acts, they spoke about the wonderful works of God in different times. And God wants to hear them. He doesn't want to hear 
we fasted, we prayed, we struggled. <laughs> Relax! Vegetable garden, smelling, stinky cabbages, get out! <laughs> Sometimes as believers, our life is so much rotten vegetable garden. You know, it stinks. No God hears me. He's like, I can hear a stink coming from there. It's so funny. I think sometimes our life, you know, and we laugh about it, but many times it is that. You know, it's like a stink of rotten vegetable garden. And Gabriel is like, Lord, there is 14 vegetable gardens crying out to you from Dallas. <laughs> Or you have a choice to go to Karen and enjoy this life team, right? God says, I'm going to go to the life team, right? And God is here, hallelujah. He loves the wonderful works of God. So God wants to hear the good words. He wants to hear. And God says, I went to it because I know this is not what the centurion wanted. He wanted, he's, that's not the report. But because it came through a filter of the elders of the Jews, remember they, are, they got filtered through the old covenant. The old covenant, old covenant says, I need to deserve. Stop deserving for a change. Don't say that I deserve this, I deserve this, I deserve this. Just shut up. And stop deserving. Start receiving freely. Hallelujah. I've heard it. I've heard it so much. I've heard it from believers, unbelievers, and constantly, even in my office, I'm constantly solving fights. Guess what? All the fights is about, I deserve better. Last week I had to sort out two, three. One lady is frustrated, one man is frustrated, boss is frustrated. Everything is about, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. I deserve it. I'm like, shut up. Just receive what you want. You don't know what's good for you. God is going to bless you. Why are you wasting your breath on this? You don't even know what you're missing out on. Huh? Hallelujah. And look at this. So Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far away from the house, this makes Jesus travel all the way. Right? He's walking, walking, walking. Nothing is going to happen. Because he has not received any words of faith. Nothing. Nothing. He's just, he's just walking. He's got the faith that he, he can, he's able to heal. That's all. But nothing more. But miracle is pending. Is he is the servant healed? Let me ask you a question. Is the servant healed? Yes. No. Jesus is walking. The servant is not healed. Is the servant healed? Is the servant healed? No. no. Jesus is walking. Jesus has heard the request. But your request is not met. It doesn't matter whether I built a synagogue. It doesn't matter whether you love the nation. But my servant is not healed. Amen? Let's see when the servant is healed. Do you want to see when the servant is healed? Look at here. Now when he was not very far, the centurion sent friends. My question is why did the centurion send friends when he had already sent the elders? Why? Because he said, hold it. I don't get this. I know Jesus. His word is enough. All he has to say is, be healed. And I'll be healed. It's over time my servant is healed. It's been four hours. And my servant is still tormented. What's going on? Something is not right. He sends his friends with the same message. What message? Let's read the real message. The unfiltered message. The walk of the spirit. Not the walk of the flesh. What is he saying? He sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. Ah! For I am not worthy that you should enter my roof. Wow! I did not even think myself worthy. I mean, I am not deserving. What are you doing? I heard you are coming to my house. Who told you to come to my house? Hold it. Who told you? 
serving of Jesus, the Son of God. I'm not serving for you to come. What are you doing coming to my house? Who told you to come to my house? Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man placed under authority, having servants under me. I say to one, go. And to another one, come. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. What does he say? I, I know what words mean. I know words matter. And I know if my words matter, I know the Son of God's words matter. And that is the work of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The work of the work of the Spirit is, I know words matter. I don't care what I do, but I know words matter. God's word says I'm righteous. I am righteous. God's word says I am blessed. I am blessed. Words matter. God doesn't have to show up in my house and in glorious life with angel wings for me to believe that I will receive a billion dollars. I know when he says I will receive a billion dollars, I have had it. My question is why is it not at my door yet? As a centurion, why is it why is it delayed? Just say the word, Lord. Just say the word. Look at the contrast. One he says boast about his love. He doesn't even boast about his love. I'm not even worthy for you to come. That's why I don't even come to you. Look at that thing. I'm not deserving. I'm not deserving. I'm not deserving. Just say your word. Your word is enough, Lord. My useless word of just three words. He uses three words. Go, come, do this. All of these involves flesh. Go, come, do this. And somebody else does it for him. God says, he will use his words for you. If a centurion's words can do stuff for him, how much more your faith in Yeshua and the words of Jesus Christ, his words can do stuff for you. Right? If it can do for a centurion, right? Does he get his work done? Does he go out? Is he a stall fed cattle? Yes! Food comes to him. Does he go out to sweat it? No. He sends servants. How much more for you if you are ready to value the words of Jesus? And guess what? When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Why? Because he was not expecting this from a Gentile. He was expecting this from the Israelite. Because God has been telling Israelite, preparing you. Because the day is coming, Habakkuk said, when I will make you solid cattle, when you value my words, when you return with words. And here is a centurion, a Gentile. And he looks at him, how did I get this? And he says, I say to you, I have not found so. And he calls that. He calls the act of saying, I do not deserve, your word is enough. He calls that faith. How many words did, how many words did he quote from the Old Testament? The century. How much scripture did he knew? So what did he know? He just knew Jesus' words mattered. And he put his trust in the words of Jesus. And God calls it faith. So when he said, I don't have faith, I don't have faith, it's really not a big burden on it. God says, you see, you believe a centurion has can get things done with his words? Trust me, I can get things done with my words. So, ask me. Ask me. Come to me saying, I'm not deserving. I'm going to stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the walk of the Spirit. 
have to walk up the difference of the century truth is runs through the filter of works to other through the filter of undeserved unmerited favor of god say the word lord say the word i believe it abraham said say the word lord i believe it say the word god said to israelite i will do the works do you believe it israel said no we will do it god says okay until you say the law is powerless and our iniquities are always before us and god says a just shall live by faith but the proud in his heart does not do justice well, the message has not changed from every chapter in the bible nothing there's no new testament there's no old testament there's nothing it's all the same message just couched in parables in the old revealed in the new it's the same it's the same gospel message the message of the gospel of his son jesus christ hallelujah are you able to receive now and the bible says in matthew about the same incident the same hour his servant was seen So when did this miracle happen? When God Jesus released his word. Releases. So is your miracle being pushed forward? It's not God's problem. It's not his problem with it. It's because we have pushed it forward because you are waiting for a place. Listen to me. Listen to me very fast. Jesus says he was here to listen to me. We are here listen to me. The reason you don't receive some of the things that you're waiting for is because you're waiting to get into a place to deserve it. And that place is never going to come. You will run out of years in your life to get to that place. If only you would acknowledge that in Christ your obedience is met. and you have already arrived you will receive it right away don't push your miracle forward receive it like the future send words to jesus and let let it be so hallelujah hallelujah don't wait for jesus to come down don't make him walk down don't wait for you to be deserving stop deserving